0: Holy, totally, holy, totally, dinky doodles. They we were terrible. I am so much. I love it. Honey, lad. Let's go and again. Who paid
1: for the nachos? No rain, no wind, nor snow classico. Rapids fans, winter is here. My name is Matt Pollard. You're listening to Holding the High Line with Just Red, and it is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022, 2022. 12-22-2022, and currently right now, according to my weather app, it is negative seven degrees outside in Denver, Colorado. I'm coming to you for a solo pod the day after the MLS Superdraft and also the day after the Colorado Rapids acquired Forward and Generation Adidas player Calvin Harris from FC Cincinnati. Solo pod today. Um, Rabbi's obviously pretty busy with the holidays, kid being out of school and it being the week of Hanukkah. So, Happy Hanukkah, Rabbi. And listeners, also I'm coming to you from a slightly different location. I'm in my closet with the like hanging door thing slightly ajar. Um, this is the only place I could find, this is the best place I could find in my condo that was away from the noise of the heaters, which are obviously on full blast and going every single minute, every single hour at the moment with the weather outside. So it was either this or it was the bathroom, and the bathroom acoustically is not very good. The closet with the carpets and then all of the clothing to dampen the noise with my jerseys and my formal wear and everything certainly much better so let me know um at rapids 96 podcast on twitter if you like the sound if you hate the sound if you like it then we might have to i might have to consider relocating from the jeff lorenowitz memorial kitchen island to the connor casey memorial closets but let's get into it today folks i'll start chronologically uh yesterday afternoon the colorado rapids uh confirmed that they had acquired Forward Calvin Harris from FC Cincinnati. Um, He is uh, a striker. They got him for $100,000 in 2023. General allocation money, $100,000 in 2024 GAM. And then there's some conditional performance-based incentives. They could increase that by another 175. So 200K in GAM right now. Potentially that could increase to 375K in GAM. So I would say that's less than what the Rapids sent uh, Andre Shinyashiki to Charlotte last year for, in terms of total assets. I like Harris. Um, you know, kind of the indication coming out of Cincinnati on him was that he was still a good young talent, but just fundamentally he wasn't going to get playing time. Brenner was their big, you know, multi-million dollar transfer fee striker, and Brendan Vasquez, I would argue, one of the best domestic American forwards right now in the game, so much so that he was getting shouts for the national team um, you know, right up until the final roster for the World Cup. So I imagine Vasquez could get interest from Europe. He could get interest from U.S. men's national team in the next World Cup cycle. I don't believe he's declared, and I know there was a conversation at one point about whether or not he was interested in Mexico. I think he's eligible for Mexico. So in any case, two very good, much more expensive strikers on FC Cincinnati. Calvin Harris just fundamentally wasn't getting on the field. We love Dombaji over here at Holding the High Line. We understand Dombaji is a flawed player with a very defined ceiling, and he was only able to get 1,000 minutes for FC Cincinnati this past year, and then even then that was not often as his, at his preferred position. So this is another play for a distressed asset, if I'm understanding it correctly, and uh, they didn't have to really give up a whole lot to get him. If you're talking about just in terms of guaranteed assets, you know, top five picks, the other night in the super draft, we're going for upwards of you know over 200k in total guaranteed general allocation money. So this is a, a low ceiling, definitely high upside acquisition. Um, and if he ends up being really, really good for the Rapids, then I think he'll absolutely be worth the 375k in total GAM to <clears throat> that they gave up to get him. Um, I did see one thing that I think is an interesting question to be had is Harris was taken second overall by FC Cincinnati in the 2021 MLS Superdraft. The number one pick was uh, Pereira, the midfielder who's not, who was taken by Austin FC with the number one pick. And I think it's an interesting question how much <clears throat> the Rapids were scouting Calvin Harris or interested in Calvin Harris, or did they just move up to three knowing they were going to get one of those three potential high upside Generation Adidas players, Pereira, Philip Mayaka, who they ultimately ended up taking, who is, I've, we've talked about on the podcast, I've written about, we've tweeted about, both ended up being bust for a number of reasons. Um, and then Calvin Harris. And where the Rapids just thinking, we want one of those three players out of the draft. We can't go up to one because Austin isn't going to move from that. FC Cincinnati is coming off of a bad year. They need a really good player. Let's go up to three and then take one of the three. And then fundamentally, the Rapids, in hindsight, got the short straw in terms of getting the player who hasn't worked out and also a player at a position of strength where maybe they could have gotten value elsewhere. So I could see the argument that the Rapids traded up, you know, gave up a couple hundred K in game to get one of these players and now ultimately they've gotten a player out of that trap that draft that they like really well, that they see value and that they could see being a two to three year project award being a really productive MLS player, but fundamentally now <clears throat> could have ended up giving up over almost five hundred K in allocation money to get in between trading up to get Mayaka, getting nothing out of that, and then getting Calvin Harris. I don't necessarily ascribe to that way of thinking. I think they're almost two separate transactions that you have to think about. They traded up two hundred K to get Philip Mayaka. That didn't really work out. I think that should exist in a vacuum and we shouldn't be judging Calvin Harris maybe based on the rapid's preconceived notions actualized or hypothesized that could have existed there. Um They gave up 200K to get a guy who's on a Generation D's contract from a roster flexibility from a financial standpoint. He's almost effectively a homegrown. He's a really young player who hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes. He's coming to a team that needed a traditional number 9. He's a versatile player. He's played at center forward. He's played out wide. Um, The Rapids couldn't play. Um, Kevin Cabral on the left. Cabral with the Galaxy played at the center forward position at times when Chicharito wasn't available. He's playing on the right. They still have Diego Rubio, who can move back up to his more traditional false nine position. He could stay in the midfield where he was extremely effective this year. Calvin Harris is another extremely versatile piece. He's coming in. He'll be hungry. He'll know if he competes. He'll be a productive player. And we've seen Wolby Harris be extremely effective with young strikers and strikers with upside on teams that he has worked with. He has helped mold Diego Rubio into the player that he is today. The Rapids were... Dom Baji was more successful with the Rapids with Colby Harris than he was on any other team that he's been in in the last two years, including Nashville. Obviously, I talked about, you know, how he wasn't getting minutes as well for Cincinnati, but I don't blame Dom because he got that money and good for him. You know, and now Calvin Harris is potentially another one of those players alongside Darren Yoppa who will challenge for that, and he's coming on relatively cheap for Generation this. So um, I really like this move in terms of rounding out what they're doing in the forward position. I still think most of the load in terms of, expectations and those expectations getting met at the forward position will depend on the Rapids getting as much out of Kevin Cabral as they can and getting something out of him that clearly the LA Galaxy were incapable of getting. Moving on to the 2023 MLS Super Draft, the Colorado Rapids ultimately ended up selecting two players. The first was Jennifer Shindida's center back from the University of New Hampshire, Mois Pompito. I have an exclusive interview with Moist that I just had before. I hit the record button on this podcast that we'll get to at the end of the show. And then with the second round pick, uh, 41st overall, the Colorado Rapids selected Marshall goalkeeper, Oliver Simlew, S-E-M-M-L-E. On the last name, he's German. I've been told by um, uh, by the club that Simlew is how it's pronounced. So, um, Oliver, if I'm getting your name wrong, I... Uh, apologize, uh, Moise Bombito, thank you for confirming that I had been pronouncing your name correctly earlier in the conversation. So, we'll start at the top with Moise Um I think we knew that the Rapids, obviously, now getting what they got from Toronto FC with the third overall pick being that pick that came from Toronto in the... Mark Anthony K trade, getting a pick that high, knowing that they were getting a generation Adidas player. And given how big this Generation Adidas class was, I think it was eleven GA players when I checked last night. You know, they knew they were going to get to pick at the litter. They were going to get to pick um a particular individual they were going to get at a particular position that they really liked. Um, you know, I know consensus was out there that that, Hamadi Diop, the uh, center back out of Clemson, and then the Duke forward, um, Shakur Muhammad, were, for the most part, consensus the top two picks that you had. Um, you listened to rumblings from people around the league that look at the Super Draft seriously. That was their consensus. You talked to people that are in college soccer. That was their consensus as well. Um, it's my understanding both of those players were international players, so I'm not sure if that would have dissuaded the Rapids from maybe moving up to get one of those two, but I think certain. you know, I spoke to. Boric Smith last night, and I included this quote in uh, my piece on BurgundyWave.com if you want to check it out, um, they felt Bumbito was the best domestic center back, the best domestic defender in this draft. Um, and so I think the Rapids were certainly looking for upside at the third overall pick, and they wanted a guy who was going to be good character, and they wanted a guy who fit the attributes they were looking for at the position that they were trying to draft at. Bambito's listed at six foot three. He was a junior, just came out of UNH. He did spend two years in community college at Iowa Western Community College. Um, And he's a big physical presence who increasingly, because of the positions that he played throughout his youth career, has gotten more and more confident on the ball. So center back, over six feet tall, good at playing the ball, uh, four goals in 16 games with the UNH Wildcats earlier this season. And a couple of those coming off of set pieces, he sounds like a Colorado Rapids center back right now. So you know, I don't know what the I don't know what the fish equivalent I don't know what the Quebec fish equivalent of Scottish salmon is, but he certainly fits the mold. And he's an extremely decorated player for you know the level that UNH is at in the um, men's college soccer um, landscape. You know, extremely decorated from an individual standpoint. You know, he was defender of the year in the ECAC. Um, American East Defender of the Year as well. Um, and then he also was a semifinalist for the Mac Herman Trophy as well. That's the um, college soccer equivalent of the Heisman, for those of you who don't know that. So he was a semifinalist from that, from a non-traditional program in his first year of D1 soccer. That, you know, that says, speaks really, really well of the young man. So I think the Rapids got the type of player that they want, and I think they got the mold of position that they want. They also got it at a position of relative strength. You know, this is uh, another—I hesitate to use the word lottery ticket. I think Rabbi said that to me um, in a conversation we were having offline. But now you look at that secondary—you look at that third-choice center-back position they have. Gustavo Vallesea wasn't that great this past year, but another year in MLS. Historically, players particularly from Central and South America under this team and under Robin Frazier have been better in their second year with the club then they have their first year with the club. Daniel Chacon, um, the Costa Rican youth player who just got back from the World Cup, who was on loan to a Costa Rican club as well, he's coming in with um, with Rapids 2 on an MLS Next Pro contract. It's my understanding there are ways that clubs can take a player from MLS Next Pro and sign them to the first team if it's warranted. And then there's Bubakar Keita, who is coming back from his ACL injury from this past year. We still have not seen him regularly in training in Commerce City, Colorado, going back to that injury. So I think he's absolutely a factor. And there's still the possibility that the Rapids re-sign homegrown Mike Edwards as well. So, you know, you count that, that's three, that's at least three. That could be upwards of five. We're counting Chacon as a Rapids 2 player, um, potentially coming into preseason with the first team that could make a viable argument, could compete for that third center back role for Robin Frazier to go back to the back three center backs or at the very least be a backup option for Lawless, Bubakar, and Danny Wilson. So the Rapids are just, you know, accumulating another, I don't like the term lottery ticket in this, you know, we'll say that the the Rapids are storing up for the winter that we're experiencing and everything. And so now they have five center backs, five center back acorns that are viable long-term options and they're going to plant them in a couple of weeks when the Rapids come in for preseason. And then, you know, in theory, one of those grows into a big, strong oak tree that the Rapids can have at the back, or maybe a pine tree, since we're in an aspen, an aspen, a big aspen tree to play at center back alongside the chaos monster that is lost, Gubakar, and the Scottish Salmon. So, um, and I think that Moise Bombito is a viable option in that. We'll see how the competition goes. The nice part about having him on a GA contract is that they've got a couple years where, you know, they could easily loan him out to USL if he's seen as a viable option for the switchbacks or for somebody else. He could easily be moved down to and play for um Rapids 2 and MLS Next Pro. That's an easy mechanism within the roster moves between Next Pro and the first team as well. Um, and we'll see what, what they get out of him. I have to believe now, with Bombito being acquired, that the Colorado Rapids have the future center back that they want internally developed between Bombito Keita, Sia, possibly Edwards, Chacon, um, that somewhere in there is a viable long-term center back. So i like to pick up. We'll see what happens from it. And hopefully the Rapids have learned something from what they, maybe if they didn't do enough to help Philip Mayaka long-term in terms of his development, maybe they now have a better lens to then approach getting the most out of and then challenging Bambito in a way that evaluates him, but also helps him grow. significantly. Then we'll move on to the second-round pick that the Rapids had, getting goalkeeper um, Oliver saint Um He's originally from uh, um, Rhein, um, which is, in terms of Bundesliga teams, folks, he's closest to the city of Stuttgart, but he's also right up against the border with France. So I'll be curious to see who he supported growing up. But um, one of the most decorated goalkeepers that you will ever see coming out of Conference USA he was a starter a couple years ago when Marshall won the national championship. That's a big deal. Um, golden glove at the conference level. Um, just an absolutely decorated player when it comes to conference statistics, conference awards, and then goalkeeper statistics as well. <clears throat> um, you know, national championships like I mentioned earlier, conference golden glove, first team All-American. He led the NCAA in shutouts and in goals against average. That was either last year or this year. Um this past twenty twenty two college soccer season, um, with Marshall. Um, he was technically a graduate student, so he's used up all of his years of eligibility. But, you know, I think he's another guy that the Rapids are gonna bring in to compete. Um, they are needing a third goalkeeper with Clint Irwin leaving and signing with Minnesota United. Uh, it should be pointed out that Sandu, if he does sign at the MLS level, will be an international player. Um, I got it confirmed last night that Bombito is a domestic player via his uh, Canadian club youth experience. And then also Calvin Harris is at this moment right now an international player, but he is in the midst of doing his green card procedure and that's roughly in the final stages. So if you figure what more than two months now, uh, yeah, if we're talking the what's the twenty third or the twenty sixth, I think, of February is when the season kicks off, so two calendar months from today when uh, the Rapids are kicking off at Seattle Sounders. You know, the Rapids, uh, you know, have two months for to get Calvin Harris over the line. So I'm fairly confident that Calvin Harris will be a domestic player for the Rapids in 2023. Mois Bambito will be. Um, I do think that Simlu being an international player is a variable that should be taken into consideration. I don't know that you're burning two international slots at the goalkeeper position, especially when you have A-Rod, who's obviously a domestic player. Um, and I'm not sure that you're burning it for a backup goalkeeper. So we'll see how he competes. We'll see where his level is. Um, again, he he won, a, he won a national championship with Marshall, but Marshall is not one of the traditional powers that you would think about for college soccer or that you would think about a goalkeeper coming out like you would a Maryland, one of the ACC powers, a Stanford, maybe a UCLA, one of the schools like that. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Sim Lewis signed to an MLS Next Pro contract and then he's primarily with rapids too but then he just makes up the numbers in competition in the first team but then on paper it's Arod who's backing up yarbro on most saturday nights for the rapids this season so we'll see what happens there but you know again um i have to imagine that chris sharpie's done all of the scouting that he possibly can on this guy um you know i have to think that they've seen him live with some of the east coast trips that they had as well so um, They've done their homework on him, and historically, Chris Sharpie has not missed on goalkeepers in terms of bringing them in and then getting something out of them. You know, um, the Rapids brought in Zach McMath and made him a better goalkeeper, and then he's proven to be a better goalkeeper since he's left on. Clint Irwin's most successful times in MLS were working with Chris Sharpie with the Colorado Rapids as well, so I imagine maybe they feel that they can get something out of or elevate what Cindy has been at the college level should be pointed out the Rapids did end up trading the 12th overall pick. Uh it was a very active first round folks in terms of uh in terms of draft picks getting moved. Um the first two picks in front of the Rapids, 1 and 2 both got moved. The last four after them, it was just trade after trade after trade. It took an hour to get through the first 10 picks, which was just insane. But so the Rapids traded the the 12th overall pick to Charlotte FC for 50k in 2023 general allocation money. Charlotte's natural first round pick in the 2024 Super Draft, and there's also an extra condition of 50k in game as well to Charlotte. Charlotte ultimately ended up picking forward Patrick Agayeng, A-G-Y-E Agameng. A-G-Y-E-M-A-N-G, forward out of the University of Rhode Island. I'd imagine that 50k in general allocation money, the condition there is probably based on appearances or goals, maybe a combination of both. So that'd be something to look out for. Not sure how much uh, that kid's getting playing with Swindersky and Andre Shinoshiki there at Charlotte, but we'll see. I don't necessarily mind this move. I think at Uh, by the time you get down to 12, you know, you're looking at the last couple of GA players that might have been a reach for the league, or you're looking at picking one of the best seniors at a position of need or somebody that you think really has upside. And so I think when you get down really just outside the top 10, it's to the point where if you don't love one of the players that's left on the board, you can go around shopping. And if you can get something that you really like, then I think that ultimately is valuable i think the big thing there is the 2024 first round pick you know charlotte has a sophomore slump then that pick is easily top 10 and then i think absolutely that's the best value but if, if there's not anybody that you love especially when we've seen the rapids historically take big swings in the swings in the top 10 and then for the most part are you know fishing for diamonds in the rough outside of that if you don't love one of the diamonds that you have there at 12 I completely understand trading a pick. And then lastly, the Rapids ultimately chose to pass on their third round pick. You know, we've seen teams increasingly do that. I think it's, what, 2020 or 2021, I think, was the first year that MLS no longer had the fourth round pick. I think at its peak in terms of the league, I think those super draft, so not including the supplemental draft, I think it was 104 players were getting taken now with where we are with the... <clears throat> With the three rounds of the draft, we're down to, I think it's in the 80s. Let me check that really quickly. 20 in MLS times three rounds would be 87 picks that you have in the draft as well. So, you know, and 10 years ago, you could find somebody that was relevant for MLS. But I think with where college soccer is and where, where Major League Soccer is, just increasingly, you know, you've got maybe five to ten really good guys that you could pick. And the rest of the time, you're looking for diamonds in the rough or projects that are going to take two to three years to develop so um i can completely understand the rapids along with other teams the la galaxy passed on draft pick portland and uh, philadelphia union who did not trade all of their picks in this draft also um passed on picks. so I'm, i'm curious to see as mls expansion increases do they drop the number of rounds at what point do they go from just three rounds to just two i think is an interesting question um So, overall, I would say it was a good draft for the Colorado Rapids. Um, They addressed one need that they had at the backup goalkeeper position, getting a viable option there, Um, and they strengthened their position at center back. And if we're including the day as a whole, um, you know, rounding that out with a forward as well, and Calvin Harris, who the club maybe has a very good understanding of from his time in college when they looked at him potentially in the draft, and looked at him um, certainly in his two years of, you know, small work at FC Cincinnati, what I think. It was one goal and one assist in 24 appearances and six starts, you know, just over 600 minutes in the two seasons that he had with FC Cincinnati, albeit one of those he was on loan for since he two and playing regularly and scored a couple goals. And then I think in 2021 he had a, a knee injury as well. But so Rapids address a depth option at forward. So now I think they're good overall at forward. As I think Rabbi and I talked last pod, they have a plethora of options in midfield. I don't think they go after somebody there significantly um and then you know backup goalkeeper and then center back really the only big hold that i see them probably spending money to try and bring in at this point is obviously that left back position i don't think the answer to the left back problem in 2023 existed on the board um in this super draft so um i still think they're looking to shop there but otherwise i think they'll i think they'll go into preseason. um otherwise um with the team that they have signed right now and they'll look to see who competes and do they have a resolution in terms of backup options at the forward position whether it's Darren Yapi or whether it's Calvin Harris who elevates themselves in terms of being a starter and then who from that second crop elevates themselves in terms of being a first guy off the bench or a solution at the midfielder position I already talked about the center back role as well so I think you get a left back and then see where your team's at maybe if you can um, you know, cook up something really interesting and off the radar in the primary transfer when you do that. But I think you then give, you know, the first half of the season to sort itself out and then reevaluate in, reevaluate in the summer as well. So I like some of the moves that the Rapids have made overall. I just think the simple fact that they'll be healthy and they've learned a lot from 2022, they're in a much better situation to make the playoffs. Calvin Harris elevates them from a depth standpoint at the forward position. Can they get something out of Kevin Cabral that they haven't previously? Are they going to be much stronger in the midfield this year with Cole Bassett coming back, Ali the Raws healthy, <clears throat> Ralph Prizzo um, you know, getting another um year under his belt under Robin Frazier, and do they have another viable option at center back? Um and then do they do they bring in a left back? If if half of my half of the answers to those questions I just asked are in the affirmative, I feel very, very confident this team is at least the seventh best team in the Western Conference in major league soccer in twenty twenty three. So let's move on. There's one final draft thing that I did want to address. Uh, Rabbi and I were talking offline as well. There were a few uh, former Rapids Academy players that were draft eligible. For them to be draft eligible, the Rapids would have had a deadline to sign them to be a homegrown. Otherwise, they would have then been eligible for the draft. Rabbi, per his spreadsheet and research and little birds that sometimes... um, Sing songs to him. Believe that those were, um, Milo Gavarian out of UNC, Liam Johnson out of here in DU, uh, Greg Tracy out of Portland, and then Rise DeSoto who played at Stanford. Only Garvinson was taken. I imagine if the Rapids knew that these players were available for the Super Draft, and the and the only way to prevent that from happening was to sign them to a homegrown contract, and they didn't, indicates to me that they have um, that those are players at positions not of need or that maybe they don't fully, um, you know, they aren't up to stuff. My understanding, since they're still academy players, that the Rapids can invite them to preseason either with the first team or with the academy. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see any of those, but the simple fact that the Rapids have been so big on their homegrowns, you know, they've had them for a number of years. They understand what they were coming out of the academy. These were players that the team would have kept a close eye on during their time in college. Um, And so the fact that they didn't sign them initially to a homegrown contract when they had still the exclusive rights to them prior to the Super Draft, I think could be a little bit telling. But So look for Johnson, Tracy, and DeSoto possibly to make the the invitee roster for Rapids 2 for MLS Next Pro, and then we'll go from there. Last things that I do want to I, I want to save talking about the schedule for um for Rabbi to be on the show because I kind of said my piece on Twitter and then with the piece that I had on Burgundy Way. But the last thing that I do want to address is an Ask HTHL that we got. Let me just pull it up here. Uh, Rapids Foreign Legion asks hashtag Ask HTHL with the twenty twenty three MLS season schedule just announced, which coaches uh do you believe are on a hot seat immediately if their teams get off to a slow start and then <clears throat> will salt bay invade the pitch at dick sporting its park after we win the 2023 mls cup um Rabbits Four foreign legion i don't think salt bay knows that the colorado rapids exist he probably barely knows the inner miami exists and if he does it's probably because david beckham and posh spice told it to him when they visited his restaurant um in miami so i don't think that salt bay will be there if i had to take guess on celebrities who could make it to a who would show up for a snow classico mls cup in november or december in 2023 um i'd be curious to see i don't know is, is coach prime is Dion sanders who's now at um uh the head coach at CU coach on the football team is he into soccer is he going to have a game that weekend or is that going to be after the regular season and they don't have a and then maybe before they start bowl prep potentially um i've said for the longest time i think if you want a local celebrity that potentially would be esoteric to the nation but super relevant in denver somebody like string cheese incident um the band um would be a really interesting option um i don't think with russell wilson with where he is from a um how much the public dislikes him and is disappointed in him as the Broncos quarterback on top of him being a part owner of the Seattle Sounders, that he's showing up to that. I do know that Michaela Schifrin showed up to a couple games and seemed to have an, uh, a friendship with uh, Tim Howard as well. So maybe if Michaela Schifrin isn't prepping for a, um you know, as a week off from her ski training early, that be early enough in the ski season. um Then maybe we can get Michaela Schifrin down and then maybe string cheese incident um performing at the hat time show. Would be my option. But so, Rapids Four and Legion, to get to your question about coaches who I think could be on the hot seat, I don't know that any of the schedules that I've looked at for individual teams are weighted super easy or super difficult um, in a way that would affect the answer that I'm about to give you. I think most MLS GMs understand that, you know, if you start off with Seattle, LAFC, NYCFC, Montreal in the snow, and then on top of that, maybe you've got CCL or something like that, there would be an understanding of the difficulty of the schedule and then that would be weighed in to the decision to whether or not dismiss a head coach. But so if I just go on, coaches that I think need to have a good start of the season because of where they are in terms of their entirety time at the club and understanding that maybe that would be the time to make a significant change. um, I do have a few that I think are potentially interesting. You know, Adrian Heath has been at Minnesota United from their inception in MLS. He's been there since 2016. And then through to start the 2017 season. I'm wondering if that's starting to get a little stale with ownership. He has taken over full control of the technical side of things there as well. You know, he cycles through strikers. They're kind of, they're pretty much, they're a mid-team, to be honest. You know, they've, you know, they've had periods where they're good defensively, periods where they're bad defensively. They've rotated out center backs. Center backs have gotten hurt, but they still just seem to be a team that fundamentally is Emmanuel Reynoso dependent, and the team goes based on how good he is and how much they can get out of him. But also, I think there's a ceiling there if they don't have another really good option. I don't know that you want to keep burning, you know, a multi-million dollar transfer fee biannually simply because Adrian Heath, a former striker with Everton, can't seem to settle on a forward that he actually likes, and they just keep rotating out guys that cost international roster spots and big transfer fees and uh, DP roster slots. So that'd be one that I'd look at. I wonder about Gary Smith as well, if maybe Nashville's ownership and then the higher-ups realize that there's clearly a ceiling to what he is. Gary Smith is what he is tactically, and yes, Colorado Rapids fans will love him because of what it helped them achieve in 2010 in winning MLS Cup, but I'm just, I'm wondering if they they need to be able to get more out of their their other attacking pieces other than Hani Mukhtar, or they need to find ways to... Put Hani Mukhtar in a position to be successful and have that plan just not be pass the ball to Hani Mukhtar. So they're kind of in a similar situation to Minnesota with Vernoso. You know, Argentina, I realize this is a really bad analogy, you know, World Cup champions and everything, but Argentina found a really, really good way of getting stuff out of Messi, but getting stuff out of other players and not having it be midfield or center back wins the ball back. it to get out of pressure, give the ball to Messi, and then have everything have to link up through him. Messi was still an integral and the most important player on Argentina, but there were other players, you know, there were other, you know, really good planets that were in orbit around him, and then there were moons in orbit around an Alvarez, around a um, McAllister, around a Rodrigo de Paul, for example. And so I, that's my question. Who's the Rodrigo de Paul? Who's the Angel Di Maria? Who's the Alexis McAllister? on this Nashville team and maybe Nashville from a front office or an ownership standpoint feels that they have that talent to have those players and maybe Gary Smith's, you know, ugly at times, unimpressive. Some would call it negative football. I wouldn't use that term, but I could see where people would make that comparison feel that he hasn't evolved enough as a coach while at Nashville to get what they're able to get out of it. You know, Honey Mukhtar is a, he's a Carlos Vela. He is a Maxi Rodriguez level player. You know, the simple fact that, you know, the the fact that you weren't able to get a home playoff game and really went out and whimper in that first round with the LA Galaxy with a player like that shows that there's either something fundamentally flawed in your roster build or fundamentally flawed in what your coaching staff is getting out of that roster. And maybe moving Harry Smith and getting a more progressive coach early on in the season after you start poorly would give them enough time to get that out of them by the business end of the season and Leagues Cup, obviously, would be an interesting question. And then the last one that I'll give you, honestly, is Gonzalo Pineda out of Atlanta. And the simple reasoning that I have for that is Garth Loggerway is coming in as the general manager and expectations are going to be elevated from that standpoint. And I'm wondering, does Garth think, you know, do I want to appoint my own head coach? And then so is it a convenient excuse if Atlanta starts off, um, you know, with a couple losses or say one draw and then a one win in their first six or seven games for example is that an easy out for guards to win that battle from a pr standpoint and then bring in a head coach that really he's talking to right now so those would be the three that i have my eye on there's still a lot of preseason stuff that has to happen there's still going to be a full january transfer window that could change those um those things as well but rapids foreign legion those are my three players that i have on there i do not believe that robin frazier nor porrick smith should be on the hot seat to start this season in the first third of it. I think they've built up enough goodwill with what they achieved in 2021 and the overall process, the Rapids way that they have. And so I think they should be allowed to see that through with what they're doing right now in the roster build. And I think if they get a left back sometime in January and that player is able to acclimate quickly and easily to start that first game of the season at Lumen Field in Seattle, then I think overall it will be a successful off season despite Jossie artist's departure. All right. I think that does it for me, folks. Uh, so without further ado, here is my conversation that I had with Rapids Generation Adidas and center back draft pick Mois Bombito. Probably the last show of the year, folks. So um, happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Rabbi and I will probably see you that first two weeks in January. Hi Moise. Um first of all, congratulations. Welcome to the club. I always start this for players that I'm unsure. Moist Bombito is am I pronouncing that correctly? Perfectly, yep. That's okay. Nice the way it is. Okay, excellent. Um did you get much sleep last night or is it all is it, you know, all partying and celebrating and just excitement? Well, I got a sleep,
0: yeah. It was pretty quiet.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I was reading up on you after the draft yesterday um, in your younger years at St. Laurent, you were a forward, you played midfield at times in college. Tell me about all the positions you've played and how you've grown to settle in at center back. So yeah,
0: it's a pretty fun story to be honest. I started playing at like four or five years old and like you said, I started as a striker. I just loved the excitement of scoring goals, running, fast defenders, dribbling, all that stuff. And I was a bit too short compared to the other kids growing up, like 13, 14. And then my coach was like, it's, it's not going to work out. You're a bit too young, uh, a bit too short to play at that position because you're getting crushed up, up there. So we'll have to find you something else. And it started, and I went to right back position and played there for a couple of seasons. Wasn't really su- successful because I was, I was coming off the bench. So then he tried to move me at, as a midfielder and I was playing good and I was also growing up a bit more, like every season. Season was going on, and I was growing up even more. And then I was like 6'2, and uh, at what, 20, 19 years old. 19 years old, I was 6'2. Then was, he was like, okay, now I think you're tall enough to be successful and play as a center back. And I was like, no, no chance. Because for me, center back was like a boring position. You never touch the ball, you scream a lot. And it's not, fu- it's not fun stuff. That's why it was for me at that time. But I just wanted to play and really, like, have fun. So I decided to just go for it. and I think it paid off really well because uh, I had a uh, successful season at that time and then decided to move to Iowa at Western, played a year and a half there, won a national championship, and then went to UNH for a season. It was really successful for me as well and then got drafted in MLS. Yeah, the rest
1: is history. Moist, you were a late bloomer. If you had, if you had hit your growth spurt a little bit early, we could be talking about you being the Rapids' new number nine. But instead, you're at center back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, tell me about. Uh, tell me about growing up in Montreal. What was the culture like there in terms of playing youth soccer? And were you a big Impact fan?
0: My biggest Impact fan, I'll say, wasn't really from Montreal. It was. Like I said, I wasn't a defender back in the day, so uh, I was kind of looking up for mixed elders and strikers like Iniesta, Messi, all that all those big-time players. And also, the culture is, in Montreal is pretty diverse. you got like people from everywhere coming to the club, and I think it's a good thing because it brings uh spices to the style, to the style of the way. You want not have people that play the same way because they have different backgrounds and in their, like, I'll say country it's a different environment so it's something that you're not used to and it helps progress uh, and it uh, reflects on the pitch
1: tell me about your time at unh i know it's um you know it's a really condensed college season you know yes. you blink and it's over but you can also players can grow a lot in those three or four months in ways that maybe they don't grow as much over the next you know over the other what eight months out of the year um how'd you like your junior season how much did you grow as a player
0: I'll say because I wasn't the boy I was before coming going there, and I felt like in that short period of time they made me so comfortable, and it reflected on the field. And I think without them, uh, without my teammates, I'll definitely not be at this spot right now. So I'm really, really grateful to have them.
1: Four goals in sixteen appearances seems like a lot for a center back. Talk to me about your goal scoring.
0: did not expect to have four goals, to be honest, and I'll take it, because it's, it's a, an achievement you should, be, you should be proud of, and I feel like corner kicks are really successful to me. Yep. Yep.
1: Uh, you're going to love, then, I'm, I'm sure if you haven't spoken to him already, Moise, um, in the coming days or in the coming weeks, you will meet Chris Sharpie, who is the goalkeeper coach at the Colorado Rapids, but the Rapids... Not this past season for a number of reasons that I won't go into, but uh, historically have been the set piece kings of Major League Soccer and it's something that they emphasize a lot. So um, get used to meeting Jack Price and get used to being familiar with the way that he takes crosses and everything because if you can get your head onto those, then you will be very successful and the Rapids will again be the set piece kings of Major League Soccer. Um, What do you know about the Rapids? I know you know you have classes, you have uh, you've got games and everything. How much of this past MLS season did you watch? How familiar are you with the club and the league?
0: I am pretty familiar, I'll say, because I've been following Robin Fraser for a while, and knowing that he's a centre back and I'm a centre back, so I feel like we'll have i I'll learn a lot from him definitely, and he'll teach me a lot of stuff that I probably don't know, don't even know, because. I've been playing center back for a long time so I'll definitely take whatever he has to teach me.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you have you spoken to Robin at all through the draft process or since getting drafted? No, not yet. Okay. Um talk to me about becoming a generation Adidas player, you know, who reached out from the league, what was your interest in that? What's that process been like?
0: Uh it was Aleko from the MMS who reached out to me saying that I, I got the GA and it all happened so fast cuz uh, I wasn't. You know, there was a MLS combine, mm-hmm. and there was a prelist prelist that uh, got released, and I wasn't on it. So in my mind, I was I was not going to get anything this season. It was fine because I had another year, and I was looking forward to it. And then got an invite to the combine. Played well there. I think I showcased my my skills, and some people were really interested, and. After the combine, I thought I did well and I had some chances for the GA, but I was not really, like, thinking about it too much. And two or three days later, I just heard that I got it, and I was really happy. I was really happy and feel like hard, work's, uh, hard work always pays off, so it's really
1: a really good thing. I, I don't want to hold you to this answer or anything, so don't take it too seriously, but uh, had you not gotten the GA contract, do you think you would have gone back for your senior season?
0: That's a really good question, really good question. I I don't think so because you can't you can get a GA when you're a senior. Mm-hmm. It's only for underclassmen.
1: That's so. right. Um, what was the what was the draft interview process like? I've spoken to a number of players back in you know before COVID when it was in person. Was it was it a lot of Zoom calls? Were guys hitting you up on on WhatsApp? You know what was what was that all like? And you know how how serious was Porik when he interviewed you? Yeah,
0: I think to be honest, the the setup it, the setup was really professional even though I was online, you know. But it felt like you were really in there. Oh, I had like a lot of people going to to see to see the, the draft show. So I really felt like I was I was living it like if I was in a big room with everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, poor, I spoke to him last night and he said that you were very professional, at least just, you know, in the few minutes that I've spoken to you, you come off as a very young and intelligent and articulate, um, young man. Was that, was that something that you prepped for at all? Or is this just naturally how you are as a person? I
0: mean, I didn't really have a speech to say, but (laughs) I, I did, I did my homework and I just got prepared a little bit and I knew what to say when the moment came. So like it went well.
1: Very good. Um, I can hear a little bit of your your Montreal accent. Um, how's your French? Is it very good.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, English is my secondary language, so I speak French really, really often.
1: Okay, I don't know. Other than Kevin Cabral, who the Rapids just traded for, obviously the winger formerly from LA Galaxy, I'm not sure that there's any other native French speakers on the team. Um, you'll hear a lot of Spanish, so um, uh, maybe you get get used to hearing some bad bony in the locker room for sure. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Um. but Moise, I, I just want to thank you for your time um, Last question from me um, If you had anything that you'd like to say to Rapids fans What would it be?
0: Really excited to get to work and go Rapids
1: Alright Moise, thank you very much for your time um, You know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year um, And hopefully I'll be seeing you throughout preseason And then obviously for the season opener What, coming up in that first week of March?